0: Welcome to season 2 of Do Good and Do Well. My name is Sarah Fox and I'm a life and leadership coach and founder of the Do Good and Do Well community. And this is a podcast where we explore how to be a change maker without losing yourself. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. It is just me today. It's a solo show. It's a short one, but I hope will be a powerful one for you. It's about worry. I ran a free workshop recently, which was called How to Ease a Worried Mind, and the reason I ran it is because I was having conversations with lots of people and hearing lots of people talk about how their brains were just so full and they were ruminating over small details, big details having lots of worry about what was to come and what was going to happen I thought that it would be useful to talk about it on the podcast too one of the reasons why I called it how to ease a worried mind is because I I want to get that distinction between our identity and our feelings and our thoughts. So often we can say, I am worried. And it feels like it's the whole thing. We might have a restless, worried mind, but it's not the whole of us and being able to make that distinction i think can put us back in the driving seat a little bit and the definition of worry is to think about problems or unpleasant things that might happen in a way that makes you feel unhappy and frightened and I want to draw your attention to the first couple of words of that sentence. To think about problems. And to think is really important. Because the good news is that we are able to challenge our thoughts. It starts with thinking. It means we can argue with them. Now... If you're at the stage where the worry is massively anxiety inducing and you are struggling and finding life really difficult, I really urge you to seek professional help. I'm here talking about worry from my own lived experience from what I notice but I am not a psychologist I'm not a mental health professional so I would really urge you to find someone that can really help you if we are in a place where we can challenge our thoughts. That's great. And partly it's about practice. Partly it's about noticing. It's noticing the patterns that we get into. And that can be quite tricky at first because it means being quite self-aware about what's going on. And a part of worry is that there can often be so many thoughts going on at the same time and it can feel quite full that it's hard to it's hard to pull it apart and it's hard to notice because the space between thinking and feeling is is really really quick but one of the things I also wanted to say was it's not really a surprise that people are feeling like this and it's human nature to worry anyway we can't eliminate worry completely we can ease it we can ease a worried mind but when I was writing my list Of things that I'm worried about. We've got the pandemic, Black Lives Matters, global social inequality, climate change, being a parent, caring for elderly relatives, some financial instability. There's so many things that we can worry about. And so it's not a surprise. And it's not you there is nothing wrong with you the fact that you're listening to this podcast this episode is you doing something about it and taking action and that's really really important and all and as I say all of this is just practice so I'm going to give you a couple of things to think about i want to credit dr emma swanberg for some of this known as mumologist on instagram and makes so much sense to me she is a clinical psychologist i had decided to create this workshop and then i received this newsletter on, on worry and what she said in that i want to share because it's important to know how our brains work. She talks about, and I'm going to invite you here just to listen to this, take a breath, listen to what I'm about to say, and then I'm going to ask you a question after that. So she says... As human beings, we like certainty and we want to be able to predict what will come next. And in in order to do that, we start to search for information. We start to search for more information so that we can reduce this feeling of uncertainty. And we tell ourselves stories to gain a sense of control over that. So we'll say, well, this could happen. This is what the world might look like. Whether you're an artist or not, human beings are brilliant storytellers. And some worry is really normal. It is human nature. But worrying increases our distress. And that's partly because we tell ourselves... The most terrible stories, the worst stories when we worry. And our brains often can't tell the difference between the stories that we've told ourselves and the reality. So, when I'm working with clients, my coachees, or in a group, one of the things I will often ask that individual or that group to do is to look at the facts. Because we love to couch it in a story. We love to build it up. You can grab a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle. On one side of the paper, write the facts of the situation. What do you know to be fact? On the other side, what are you making up? One of the issues is is that we, we go for the tragedy. We go for the horror story. And of course, that means our brain starts to get these signals and we need to be in high alert mode and we need to respond to that distress. One of the things that Emma Svanberg also says, as human beings, we want to be right. We want to be right in our decision-making. We want to be right in our storytelling. So we look out for things that are going to prove this story correct. I remember when uh, my husband and I were trying to conceive and we were on our fertility journey and I was worrying about it and thinking we'll never have children everyone else can have children everyone else manages it we'll never do it 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 just won't happen for us there's no point going through through all this fertility treatment it's just not going to happen and I looked and I saw hundreds, what felt like hundreds of pregnant women around me. They were everywhere. And that meant that my story was right. It was correct. 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 The other thing is that we're not great at predicting our own emotional responses. So we will think ahead about how we will react. But we we won't gauge it in terms of what we've already done before. We ignore that. We discount all the things that we've done previously, that we've managed, that we've survived. I'll never, I'll never just, it, it's too painful, I can't do it. I can't do it, I can't do it. I'll never cope. So to sum up, we like certainty. We want to be able to predict. We will tell ourselves stories So that we have more information. But we tell the worst stories possible. Which increases distress. We like to be right. So we look out for things that are going to prove our story correct. We're not great at predicting our own emotional responses. When you hear all of that. What comes up for you? One of the things that that I've talked about a lot on some of my group programmes. Is this idea of self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is defined as a belief in your ability to do something so when we don't have that when we have a lack of self-efficacy we don't believe that we can get through it we don't believe we can do it if we're learning a new skill and we don't have self-efficacy we don't really believe that it's possible for us to learn that skill It's not possible for us to get good and so increasing that sense of self-efficacy is really really vital when we think about how to ease a worried mind and one of the really useful ways of doing this is to write a list of the things you have found really tough in the last 18 months that were really hard were really difficult you felt like you just weren't going to manage it how on earth am I going to do this you know the heaviness the heaviness that you feel and when you've written that When you've written those things down, one of the sentences, a mantra, if you like, that I have been using a lot, and if you have read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, you will know this, but the sentence is, I can do hard things. And I do this exercise in workshops and it's so powerful. And as soon as I say, okay, write a list of the last 18 months, people have their heads down, they had things to say. And I said to them afterwards, imagine if I had said, write a list of all the things in your life that you have found hard and tough. And when you've written that list, write the words, I can do hard things. Thank you to Dr. Emma Svanberg for so much sense. Thank you to Glennon Doyle for fantastic, simple words that are so powerful. And thank you for listening. If you have found this useful, please consider donating uh, the price of a coffee to my coffee fund. Sign up to my newsletter so you hear about these workshops that I run and take very good care.